You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hi, welcome to Catholic Saints. My name is Mary McGeehan. I work here at the Augustan Institute. I am joined today by Dr. Elizabeth Klein. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Today we are going to dive into the life of St. Aidan of Lindisfarne. Uh, Dr. Klein, you seem to have a deep love for this region, <laughs> this land. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to talk about uh, Aidan of Lindisfarne because he's kind of a connecting dot between a couple other saints and St. Episodes that we've done. So uh, I've done an episode on St. Columba, who founded the Monastery of Iona in Scotland. This is an incredibly important monastery for Christian culture, um, Celtic culture, uh, produced illuminated manuscripts, learning, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and I've also talked about St. Cuthbert of Lindisfarne, who was a monk at this monastery. Uh, and St. Aidan is the one who founded Lindisfarne. So it's kind of a okay. connection between um, St. Columba, who I did before, St. Columkill, uh, St. Cuthbert, and also we know about his life from St. Bede, who we've also done an episode on. Okay, so okay. I kind of set out to like know more about the patristic period in Ireland, England, and Scotland at the beginning of the year. So learning about all these saints, Great. hopefully I'm becoming an expert. <laughs> yes, this resolution is being fulfilled. <laughs> do, do all these saints know each other? Were they friends? Were they like walking around together? No. So all of these ones are kind of all separated by a like a generation. So okay. St. Columba is, I'm pretty sure, dead by the time that St. Aidan joins the monastery. Mm -hmm. But St. Columba is the founder of that monastery. And then St. Cuthbert is a later abbot okay. after Aidan has died. Okay. But they're all kind of connected by the lineage of their foundations. Yes. Um, and, you know, where they come from, where their edu education's from. Yes. Uh, and how they're Arising, sent. Yes, from a similar culture and region. Um, right. So St. Aidan is kind of like, I don't know, it's one of the pride of the Irish, I suppose, in the sense that the Irish like to pride themselves on having converted the English. And so that is <laughs> where St. Aidan comes in. Okay. Uh, so this is how St. Aidan got to England. So St. Aidan was born in Ireland and then joins the monastery in Iona, which is in technically modern-day Scotland, or like Scotia, as they called it. Uh, and while he's at the monastery of Iona, there is a king who comes there who's exiled from the north of England, from Northumbria, named Oswald. Uh, and while Oswald is, is exiled from his homeland in Ireland, he converts to the Catholic faith and is baptized. Through St. Aidan? Uh, not, not through St. Aidan okay. in particular that we know of, but through, you know, the monks of his monastery and sort of Irish, the Irish Catholics generally. Uh, and so he returns. He Then he um, comes out of exile and becomes king of Northumbria, the mm. north of England. And he wants all of his people to become Catholic. Uh, now, this isn't like the first time that the Catholic faith has come into England. There were Catholics before, but a lot of them have reverted to paganism. And so he wants to reconvert the people to the faith. So he sends back to Iona, this famous monastery, and says, send me a missionary. Uh, which in and of itself is kind of beautiful and interesting. He doesn't send to Rome. He sends to Ireland because he went there and he knows the monks and they're credible and all that. Uh, so he sends to Iona uh, and asks him to send him a monk. So they send him a monk. And then this, the first monk they sent him is not named. So he's, it's, as you'll see in the story, it's not favorable. So B doesn't say what his name is. But apparently the first monk who's sent uh, tries to convert the people and has like no success at all and goes back to Iona and says that the people of North Umbria are too stubborn and hard-hearted to become Christian and they can't be converted. Uh, and so all the monks of Iona call a meeting and they, to discuss this because they don't want to leave the king's request unanswered and not try to convert the people, uh, but they don't know who to send. So they're discussing what to do. 
Uh, and St. Aidan pipes up and says, well, I think you were too hard on them and you should have taken the approach of St. Paul and given them first milk uh, and then led them to like the meat of the faith. And so as so often happens, you know, if you speak up and say, I have a better idea, then they say, well, why don't you go and do it? So he's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, maybe St. Aidan could be like the patron saint of uh, like running your mouth in meetings or something. <laughs> so he so he, he comes up with that idea. So they, they send him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, in fact, uh, successful. So he decides to found this monastery of Lindisfarne, which is kind of interesting. It's similar to Iona. It's on this kind of island that can only be gotten to a few times a day. Uh, it's off the coast of um, northern England. You can still go there. It's in ruins. Uh, it's now like a national park, but you can go visit there. And I recently found out there's a pilgrimage that takes you and ends you at Lindisfarne. So <laughs> uh, maybe I'll have to go on it because it sounds pretty exciting. So he founds the monastery of Lindisfarne. And as the kind of ecclesiastical arrangement is at the time, uh, Aidan is kind of like the bishop. Uh, so he becomes in charge of kind of all the people in the area. But then there's also an abbot who is in charge of the monks. So St. Aidan apparently just kind of like travels around the countryside and like walks around and chats Simple. people up and is nice to them and it wins wins a lot of souls for Christ in this way. Hmm. Uh, one cool little detail that's mentioned by Bede, um, so St. Saint, yeah, Saint Bede who we talked about writes this famous book called The Ecclesiastical History of England uh, or The Ecclesiastical History of the English People. It's one of the great works of Christian history after Eusebius's Ecclesiastical History, so you can check it out. Uh, and he always has like very well sourced, like he tells you where he got his sources, which is kind of cool. Uh, so Bede tells us that one thing that was known about Aidan is that he didn't ride a horse. He always <laughs> walked on foot. He didn't, he didn't like to ride a horse unless it was like in great urgency. So why is this important? I, I bring this up because the rule of St. Francis, the first rule of St. Francis, also forbids the brothers from riding on a horse. Uh, and you might think, like, what's the big deal? Yeah. What do the horses do to them? Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not like because of animal like welfare or anything like that. <laughs> Although I'm sure St. Francis loved horses. That's not why he told people not to ride them. It's because if you ride a horse, you're, like, important. Right? It's like, status. yeah, it's status. It makes you unapproachable. Right? I mean, even just think about if you're riding a horse through a town trying to talk to people versus walking, like you're literally higher up than yes. them. That's a good point. And it's like today, you know, it's like that, that shameful thing, like the people in first class and then all you like lowlies who can't afford it have to file past them into the back <laughs> of the airplane. It's the worst. Right? Yes. It's like status. And if people today are like waiting at the bus stop, like they're poor. They're not wealthy people. Mm-hmm. They can't mm-hmm. afford to have the transportation everywhere else. So it's like yeah. a very basic marker of status mm. uh, that he chose to forego because it's going to make it easier for him yes. to talk to people, to meet them, um, yes. and yeah, not not be on your high horse, right? Yes. That's where uh, the saying comes from. And so it's like a really neat little detail. And to remember the poor as we're, you know, called and commissioned to. That's one really practical way um, yeah. in this time period and we can have our own today um, to to meet them and be with them. Absolutely. Simplicity. And St. Aiden is specifically known for ministering to and caring for the poor, mm. uh, to privileging the poor over the rich, for having no fear and rebuking the rich in favor of the poor. Mm. Uh, and like, I don't know, this is kind of a St. Trump, we think like, oh, love of the poor. But think about the circumstance. He's asked to come to England by the king right so he knows the king he lives nearby the king he's the the king by the way uh, oswald is also a saint so a very saintly king and um travels with aiden during his early mission because aiden can't speak english uh, the, and so the king travels the king travels with aiden Whoa. and helps him translate for okay. the people 
Uh, <laughs> but it would have been very easy because he is called by a rich person, because it's actually a very saintly rich person who's yes. helping him. It would have been very easy for him to think, well, conversion comes from getting to know the nobles mm -hmm. uh, and from networking, the, networking with the people that the king knows. But in fact, he privileges the poor and spends a lot of time with the poor. Uh, and there's one really like cool little story that involves the horse and the poor that I just wanted to read a part of. Please. Um, if I can find it here. Uh, the So the next king after uh, Oswald dies is Oswin. <laughs> uh, and Oswin uh, gives Bishop Aiden a horse. So this is what I said. He, so this is quite a bit after we're told he doesn't ride horses much. So he, Oswin, had given Bishop Aiden a very fine horse in order that he could ride it whenever he had to cross a river or undertake any difficult or urgent journey, although the bishop ordinarily traveled on foot. Not long afterwards, when a poor man met the bishop and asked for alms, the bishop immediately dismounted and ordered the horse with all its royal trappings to be given to the beggar, for he was most compassionate, a protector of the poor and father to the wretched. Okay, mm -hmm. so like, imagine this scene, like the president has given you a uh, Tesla so that you can get where you need yes. to go quickly and in style, not have to worry about your car breaking down, mm -hmm. you know, and like at the first instant you give it away to like some poor person in your parish. Oof. This is like, wow, you know. That is radical. It's pretty radical, which the king will note in just a minute. When this action came to the king's ears, he asked the bishop as they were going in to dine, my lord bishop, why did you give away the royal horse, which was necessary for your own use? Have we not many less valuable horses or other belongings which would have been good enough for beggars without giving away a horse that I had specially selected for your personal use? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I mean, I would have wow. given you money or mm -hmm. something. Like, if you wanted to be generous, like, I'm not against that. But, like, did you really have to give away the, like, nice horse I specifically gave you? The bishop at once answered, what are you saying, your majesty? Is this child of a mare more valuable to you than this child of God? And I just, like... This is very beautiful. And again, not at all how we're used to valuing things. You know, it's like, is this hunk of metal really worth more to you than this person made in the image of God? Mm. And you're like, oh, well, when you put it that way. Yes. And then beautifully, the king, so the king, they went into dinner and the bishop sat down in his place. But the king who had come in from hunting stood warming himself by the fire with his attendants. As he stood by the fire, the king turned over in his mind what the bishop had said. Then suddenly unbuckling his sword and handing it to a servant, he impulsively knelt at the bishop's feet and begged his forgiveness, saying, I will not refer to this matter again, nor will I inquire how much of our bounty you give away to God's children. And so that the fact that the king was also converted by Aiden. It's mm -hmm. just it's just very beautiful. He had the benefit of having some nice kings on his side. Yes. Uh, but I thought that was just a beautiful encapsulation of, I don't know, wealth and poverty and such a ultimately a small gesture. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, but but radical, a yes. radical gesture. I, I remember I had a good friend who experienced a very radical conversion to the faith and he read the gospels for the first time and he said, Jesus says to give away everything. He's like, I couldn't even give away my car. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought about that with this story where he basically gives away his car. Like, yes. At the first drop of a hat, the yes. first opportunity, he just gives it all away yeah. uh, without a thought. And then when confronted by it, it's totally like nonplus. Non he's totally unaffected. He's like, well, obviously, that's so obvious to Completely me. Completely detached. That yes. I would give that away. Yes. Because this person needed it, duh. Mm -hmm. And I didn't need it. Uh, and that just seems very beautiful and also just a little glimpse into how Aiden was able to 
convert sort of this yes. hard-hearted and obstinate people yeah, no, <laughs> who couldn't become Christian. Absolutely beautiful, especially as you were talking about how he would walk the streets and it seemed um, the more gentle method of evangelization than his predecessor who had attempted and failed to to almost earn the respect of the poor by becoming like them um, in their own way of life, which we now know so many other saints who, you know, model that same style. Mother Teresa comes to mind. She would sleep. She would eat um, very similarly to the people that she would serve. Um, and she like, wouldn't fly first class. And she wouldn't. Yeah. She wouldn't fly first class. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, even, I don't know, just if we think about how, bishops manage dioceses today and that there isn't maybe that many of them who spend a lot of time just like driving around to parishes and like talking to people Mm -hmm. and they think that is like the main part of their pastoral ministry and I think this is a shame because I don't know maybe this is like me pontificating about what bishops should and should not do which is really nobody cares what I think about that (laughs) Uh, but I think sometimes we have the unfortunate impression maybe that like bishops are kind of like glorified administrators you know, but anybody can administrate. Like you can find somebody who's good at administration to help you, but you mm-hmm. can't replace a bishop as a shepherd of his people. Only mm-hmm. the bishop can do that. Uh, and it seems like Aiden really took that to heart and that he he's in charge of all of the souls in his area. Not all of them are Christian. Uh, and so B says he goes around and people who aren't Christian, he encourages them to be baptized. And people who are Christian, he strengthens them in their faith. Yes, uh, and just taking, them more. Yeah, and just taking that kind of like, what's my job? My job is to take care of these people. How do I take care of these people? I have to be among them. I can't be just driving past in my Tesla or on my royal messenger horse. Right. (laughs) Uh, I have to, I have to, you know, Mm. spend time with them. No, that's a great reflection. And in his, in his poverty, he has space and freedom to give Jesus, you know, to not give our humanity, but the the more we are in our poverty, the more space we have for Jesus to fill, uh, to then be proclaimed um, externally. Yeah, and I mean, someone who left everything, really left his monastery, went to a foreign land where he didn't speak the language. Uh, and so maybe that makes some of the room too, like, well, this is all I have. These mm-hmm. people are all I have. I have yes. to like start a monastery from scratch and start a people from scratch. And so yes. start small. <laughs> Absolutely. Do we know... and what? We said he was successful. Do we uh, know other tidbits about how he died or other yeah. legacies? So yeah, he died. He died of illness. I wanted to mention one of a couple other miracles that are associated with him. So almost all these saints' lives, if I don't mention it, they have miracles in them, uh, and so it has miracles of healing. But there are two miracles about sort of incorruption, which I thought, I don't know, kind of captured at least the sense you get from B to this kind of gentle, kind of immovable soul mm-hmm. who's able to just go through life uh, at a slow pace, at a walking speed, and not at a horse's pace. Uh, the one comes from uh, a story of him and King Oswald. So King Oswald was before Oswin, and he is, <laughs> he's a canonized saint, or, you know, he's venerated as a canonized saint, Saint Oswald. Um, and there's a lot of stories about him, too, in Bede. But there's a, there a lovely story about how uh, the bishop and the king are sitting down to have Easter dinner. So highest feast of the year, Lent is over, uh, and the cooks bring out this silver platter with like sumptuous food for the king. Uh, and as soon as they put it in front of the king, there he has a messenger come in and say that there are beggars at the door who have nothing to eat for Easter dinner. So the king immediately asks that the food in front of him be taken to the beggars and that the silver plate be broken and distributed among them. Yeah. And so Aiden, the bishop, is very moved by the king uh, doing this. 
Uh, and he like grabs his right hand and says something like, you know, may this right hand never perish. May your right hand never perish. Uh, and so after Oswald is killed, slain in battle, his right arm and hand are incorrupt and become relics. What? No way. Yeah. So it's kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Neat. It's just a very cool story. It's mm -hmm. like uh, two saints, you know, a, a saintly king and a saintly bishop. Uh, and sort of this, the veneration of one saint to another has this kind of powerful effect. It's kind of like a double relic. It's like yes. a relic of a saint made by a saint. Yes. So I don't know if that's like a first class relic squared or it's like a first class relic plus a second class <laughs> relic because <laughs> it's the body of a saint and it was touched by another saint. I don't know. And prophesized almost. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure if this relic survives. It probably does not because a lot of the stuff in England and other places where there was Reformation turmoil, they do they don't survive. But uh, yeah, but cool relic. Yes. And then there's a really similar story, a kind of incorruption story regarding his death. Uh, so he took ill. When he took ill, he was away from home, and he was near a church. So they set up a tent, I guess, for him to kind of convalesce in, right up against the wall walls of the church. Um, and he, after he succumbs to illness, he dies while actually like leaning against one of the beams of the church. Hmm. Uh, and so later that church is destroyed by a fire, but the beam that Aiden died while leaning upon survives. Oh, interesting. And so they build a second church, including the beam, and then a third church, he survives the next church, and they decide to put it like in the middle of the church instead of make it part of the wall uh, as like this, this relic. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of an interesting um, legacy of has kind of continued you know, yes. influence. Is the beam still like? Can you see the beam today? I don't. I you don't know. think so. I don't know. I didn't look up the the, the fact that it was relics, so honored by the fact that he died upon it tells a lot about the people's uh, love. For yeah, him. a lot of the stuff around Lindisfarne is in ruins because of Viking okay. invasions. They destroyed it, and then after the dissolution of the monasteries and the Reformation, a lot of the early English stuff does not, unfortunately, survive. But I'm not sure about that beam. I'd have to look up the. Beam. That's okay. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, but I thought that this is kind of a cool like inversion of like a pharaoh's pyramid or something you know you have this like giant monument built to your death that's in like buried in sand versus yeah you know dying leaning literally leaning on the church mm. uh, and then kind of like consecrating a small tiny your small tiny part of the yes. church uh with the holiness of your life and this is a very beautiful image absolutely and then the fact that he was dying he died leaning on the church i think that's a lot of symbolic meaning yeah totally well. beautiful well, thank you. Any other yeah. facts or is no? There's not as much about Satan as maybe some of the other saints. Uh, but Wonderful. He, but if you read the third book of the Ecclesiastical History of the English People, it has all about uh, Aiden and as well as a lot about Oswald, the other saints. So their lives are kind of uh, intertwined, and then uh, this other king. So if you okay, want to yes. follow along the tale of all these English <laughs> saints, you can go to a, yet another saint, Bede. Uh, who wrote these lovely lives. Beautiful. The Lindisfarne saints continue. That's so. right. Yeah, I'll see if I can find any more Lindisfarne saints, but no, the, two, the two most important ones. It anyway. is striking how many have come from that region. Um, so thank you for bringing his life to our attention. Thanks. Uh, thank you for joining us. And St. Aidan of Lindisfarne, pray for us. Thank you for being a dedicated listener to the Catholic Saints podcast. Your support truly uplifts us. For those seeking additional thought-provoking content, go to formed.org. It's a platform brimming with resources, including insightful videos that align seamlessly with our podcast's themes. If you're finding value in our podcast, please consider taking a moment to leave us a review. Your feedback serves as a cornerstone for our growth and outreach.